And what's, what's in placentia? Well, my mother, which is uh, a fancy word for saying free daycare, but we wanted to go do stuff. <laughs> we wanted to go see the Avengers movie. We wanted to go to, um, we actually took Augie to Knott's Berry Farm yesterday because we got like a, nice. a season pass. And, uh, okay. Do they still yeah. have like boysenberry day or whatever? Is it like it's it's it, was, it mm-hmm, that's what it was. It was the the boysenberry festival. And yeah, I got it, it. It was a weird word. You probably know, but it was a corn on the cob with blueberry glaze over it, and that was the hot ticket. <laughs> There's a line okay. like forty five people deep to get your corn on the cob with uh, bull, blueberry bullshit on it. Um. It's it's delicious. It's it's really good. They also had, you know, the, you'll like this, Joe, um, a churro sundae. Sure. And uh, which is probably nothing at Texas. I mean, that's like a salad. But um, it is <laughs> it is frightening. Um, that's a good. That's, that's a good, good drink. That's a good drink, right there. <laughs> churro, churro salad. It's a good starter. It's a good starter. There's uh, you know maybe uh, seventy five grams of sugar in each bite, but uh, you you could improve. Um, but it's great. I went to like a, it was like a stunt show for, uh, you know, like a cowboy stunt show. And, uh, cause it's like Western themed, that's very far. And, but there's also, they're just loading up the park with roller coasters. They're just everywhere. Hmm. So part of the stage, like the, the left side of the stage is like a saloon and a, and it has like a second floor where all the guys are doing prep falls and stuff. It's supposed to totally be like, we're in 1892, except for on the right side of the stage, is this huge metal uh, pole that's like the support for this roller <laughs> this like massively crazy looking roller coaster and so like every five minutes these screaming people are just upside down suspended <laughs> as they're twisting through the air just right above this like western stunt show it was, it was fantastic why but, partners in short don't, don't mind the coaster coming on over here there we, we got a good show and some sarsaparilla for you I'm, sounds amazing i'm about to take um, my pistols out of them wait. steel workers if they come by my property anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> sounds amazing uh, well, here the best part about going to amusement parks is just seeing all of the weird tattoos that everybody has now. Um, amusement parks are great; they're great for getting in touch with the people of America. Oh, there are few, man. there are few places better where you can cross over from podcast listening America to 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 people who don't know what podcasts are. Amusement parks are great. Yep, and, and the thing love is, themselves a tank top too, so you get to see it all. What? Yeah, that's or, a, or a tattoo of, of a tank top. You ever seen a tattoo of a tank top? Now we're talking amusement park. <laughs> there we're getting there. <laughs> well, there was this guy that was. Um, he had a, a Rams tattoo that was on the entirety of his calf. It's just a tattoo, bro. So it was probably like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, I'm not actually. A, I'm not actually a Rams fan. I just. I just got the tattoo. <laughs> just a tattoo, it's, bro. It's just some ink, bro. <laughs> so it's like you know. Four or five inches, you know, um, in diameter. I mean, it, it was big, but the great part is where the horn is, rather than it being gold or yellow or white, it was just flesh colored. Like he was like, I don't know what color this helmet's supposed to be. Once they figured out that I'll fill in the rest of the tattoo. With the new with the new rebrand, he'll fill it in. <laughs> 
I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Demoff to announce them colors because I ain't gonna get the wrong St. Louis colors. One of the things I always liked about going to Knottsbury Farm in Magic Mountain growing up was coming from the not Los Angeles, the not the non SoCal part of the world. And what's great, mm-hmm. especially because you mentioned the Western show, is that in the rest of the theme parks around America, those are not uh, shows that have a lot of effort put into them. But because Southern California has such a motivated thespian culture, they really put effort into those shows, man. They're, they're, those they are do. not they shows do. where the acting really suffers. That's one of those things where, like, you know, you, if, you, if, you, if you did the same show in like Virginia at like uh, King's Dominion, right? It'd be like, hey, killed my daddy. I can't wait to find him. When you do it at like Knott's Berry Farm, it's like, he killed my father. I've stayed up every night for 48 years waiting to seek vengeance. Tomorrow, his name is buried with his body. For your consideration, best performance of a stunt show. Knott's Berry Farm, West Wild Stunt Show. Well, I mean, you know, I, when you're uh, going to do those, when you're going to like try out for uh, a guest spot on Hunter or some other, you know, bad. That's, that's on your resume. That's right? on you your resume. I, I was the angry drunk <laughs> at Knott's Farm on Saturdays from two to four. We performed every 25 minutes, right, <laughs> right underneath the Coke screw. I, I, I got right. a buddy. I, I got a buddy who performs at Disneyland, and he he does the Frozen like live show. How many and of those guys have agents? Does he have an agent? Oh, he does. He does. Yeah, and, and he great. works. He's he's on stuff. He's yeah, in, yeah. He's in sharp objects. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I I do need to tell you my favorite Knott's Berry Farm story. It'll it'll only be a second. Um, I do like that you have so many Knott's Berry Farm stories that one mm-hmm. of them it can be your favorite. Well, yeah, it's true. Well, you know what? You grow up about fifteen minutes away from Knott's Berry Farm. You're going to have some stories. <laughs> so this one is when I'm ten years old and I was really into playing the piano, and I thought Jerry Lee Lewis was super cool. Oh, and the, Dan- the 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 Dennis Quaid movie came out, you know, with like Winona Ryder. Great balls and, of fire. Uh, I, I was yeah, because I, yeah, I was playing the piano and I <laughs> and I learned that song, and that was like my jam. Like if someone's like, "Hey, man, can you play the piano?" I will play Great Balls of Fire. And I just, he was, I, I thought he was awesome. So my dad's like, hey, he's playing a Knott's Berry Farm this Wednesday at 8 p.m. I was like, let's do it. So we got admission, went into the park, went on a couple rides. And I'm like, man, this is going to be great. Going to see my hero, Jerry Lee Lewis at Knott's Berry Farm. So what do you think happened when he went up on stage to perform that night on a Wednesday, just some random day? Slept with his sister. Do you, do you think... <laughs> Do you think he was drunk? He was, I was gonna say he was pissed drunk, and he he shot himself during the, during his first like solo. Yeah, no, he didn't. I mean, he didn't, he didn't shit himself. Um, that would have been a, a much more um, fantastic story. No, he was just uh, ripped, just so drunk, and it was so sad. <laughs> and it was just one of those moments that if you could get it, if it was on film, it would be one of those that like, kind of bummer, like, oh man, like. The moment you saw That's your just... hero die. <laughs> I have not Farm uh, memories growing up in Los Angeles before I moved to Seattle. Do they do the not scary scary farm thing still? Is that still a thing? Oh yeah. When I was you, you bet your ass it is mid eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, whatever it was, they would do the scary scary farm. They'd you know shut it down and haunt it up, and you'd go there and you'd have a good time and be an idiot kid, and it was always always fun. Yeah. 
Well, now Universal has that Halloween Horror Nights, which people seem to really like. It's intense. Well, think about LA. You've got Knott's Berry Farm. We did, we did Magic Mountain Fright Fest. Yeah, same thing, right? But LA's got yeah. Magic Mountain. It's got Disneyland. It's got Universal and Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, you know, which is yeah. it's, it's, most places aren't even lucky to have one. Like we don't have. I just said we don't have roller coasters here. We have. Uh, if you want to go to roller coasters, you have to go drive to Idaho. At least you have an NBA franchise, right? Oh. Wait. No, right, was, we don't even that, get that. What the hell prompted that? That was, that was that a was shot. A, it was. Uh, welcome to Tertia Radio at some point. I'm at 3K underscore whatever, Rebel, at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. Hey, what's going on, fellas and uh, and people and everyone else out there in draft land? Ooh, draft, draft land. We're going to get to the mocks. We're going to get to Rob's favorite mocks of the year. We're going to have a power ranking of Rob's top 10 favorite mocks from 2019. Ooh, well, I think we are. Joey at LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, Jerky? I got to say, Judd, that was probably the most casual intro that you could possibly have. That'd be like, you know, when you're watching like a TV show work on and, it. and they don't have like a, like a long intro, but it'll just, you know, it'll just cut to the name of the show real fast. Uh, this is a TV show. It, you wouldn't even have that. It would just say like the name of the show, just kind of like in subtitles for like a hot second in the first ten minutes. And you're like, oh, well, yeah, cool, cool. show started. Um, but that's the way we roll, man. Yeah, just, just, just tripping in, right? Because we're all chatty. spent from the Game of Thrones viewing. Everyone just so, well, spent so, and hasn't yeah. recovered. It just got rolled. So every website, every podcast has to acknowledge that this this little period, however long it goes on. Between Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame is, I don't what is it the peak of pop culture of 2019? Is it the end of pop culture? Is it is it the end of this chapter? I don't I don't know what it is. What what the fuck? Game of Thrones, Avengers Endgame. Somebody go. Well, I gotta I say, you have to add in the you gotta add in the NFL draft, and you just have this this just oh. this week <laughs> of you know there's there has to be someone in the relationship who's just kind of going what. Fuck! When are we gonna how hang did, out? How did the NFL? How did the, <laughs> how did the NFL draft broadcast not have like Iron Man in it or Arya? How did they not tie that in? Who? What the fuck? Because the NFL doesn't have so easy to get in there. I th- I think the reason why this whole week has been crazy is that everybody's watching it. It's not like you're like, oh well, I didn't watch the NFL draft because I had to go see the Avengers. I think everyone's just consuming all of this at this kind of. It's just coincidence that Mainline. these big things are happening in the, yeah. the same time frame. But I know that it's with two kids, and especially with a baby, it's kind of hard to get to a three-hour movie. And then the next sure. the next night, you're just like, okay, you know, I'm tired. We could watch it. And then it's like it's an hour and a half, and it's just a, yes, a it war with no talking. And you're like, okay, I can do this. I it's lo- just exhausting. I love the idea that that, 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 that. Yeah, I love the idea that the hour and a half is the short thing now. Like Game of Thrones was a was a feature film, mm-hmm. and we're like, eh, I can knock this out, right? Yeah, like, I, I, you I know think... what? I, uh, I've seen it twice. Yeah, GOT. How dark was it, Robo? Could you see it? Was it too dark? It was, I lo- actually, I actually loved the dark cinematography. It felt like because you know it's it's a battle taking place in the middle of the night. What the fucking blizzard going on? So you can't see anyways. And then a lot of the stuff happens in a dingy old dark castle where there's, you know, every 30 feet there's a torch. It's supposed to be dark and they meant it that way. And I think the music played to that and I loved it. So anyone who was complaining about they couldn't see it, uh, I don't know, adjust the brightness of your TV or just sit back and enjoy the shit that's going on and stop 
Stop and don't, and don't see it. Perfect. Yeah. Enjoy not seeing it. They, yeah. they wanted you to not see the entire screen. They wanted you to focus on certain parts and flashes. I mean, it kind of felt like a horror movie. That battle scenes were just, you couldn't make things out, just hacking and slashing. You could see parts of a head being lopped off and the dead just crawling over all over the place. And they wanted to scare the shit out of you. And then right towards the end, they drop, like, if, I don't know if you noticed it, but the score drops into like, like a piano melody and they play this eerie yeah, kind of cool. piano shit. And it was great. It just worked really well. Built the, built the drama up. And I was, I was mainlining the hell out of that. I loved, loved, loved it. It was, it was pretty great. So if you didn't like it, it was too dark and you couldn't see. And I wish they would have, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, <laughs> don't care. I don't that, care. That, I'm that's here the for best it. review. I liked it. If you don't, fuck you. Yeah. No, uh, Vox.com ran their that's winners it. and losers, and one of the winners was Ramin Jawadi, the uh, composer for the show, and mm. talked about the 10 minutes that he, they called it the beautiful haunting music, which dropped into a solo piano with minimal orchestral backing when it seems like all hope is lost. I thought it was great. It was fun. Uh, I can, can I? I, just starting with the NFL draft talk, I, I would I'd be yes. curious to think just general, not Los Angeles Rams related, but just generally on the, the NFL draft. What do you what do you think were the big narratives coming out of the draft? Would you would you say it's just the quarterbacks? It seems like when you watch the you know the news and stuff, everything's just about like just the Giants and, and the Redskins because they made the big plays for quarterback. I've got one. I've got one. Well, and, big, and Rosen, Rosen's big. made made some circles. Mine's bigger. I got a big, big, big picture. Mine's bigger. All right. You don't need to brag. No. <laughs> um, here's, here's my thing is, I don't know if you guys looked at the numbers, but the NFL draft somehow got watched by more Crushed. people. I don't get it, man. Crushed. Who, who, did, who didn't watch the draft last year? That's that's like, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll turn into the drag. Where are these people coming from? How do we keep getting more? And how do we keep getting more? That baseball and basketball and hockey is like, I don't know. I think we're tapped out. But the NFL keeps getting more. It's the promise of excitement, right? Because the draft just for entertainment value wasn't that exciting. If you just if you didn't have a dog in the hunt, it wasn't that great of an event. There were 30, there were more trades this year than ever. That's exciting. But those are the same. But but substantial trades, though, I don't really think. But the first, especially the first round, it was, it went pretty. Much by the but book, right? There were not a bunch of big surprises of, other than the Giants pick. Those are the same yeah. kind of conditions for the NBA draft and the NHL draft, and nobody watches those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More people watch. I watch the I, I watch the NBA. Draft. More oh, you do? Well, I do too. Really? I have to watch. Really? You do, you I weirdo. Do. More people watch the NFL draft than watch you know the NBA finals and the World Series. It's I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm just confused about how the NFL is continuing. All these other leagues are finding ways, and maybe soccer is kind of the alternative. And esports, where they're tapping into the kids that do not listen to this podcast because none of our references make any sense. But the NFL, <laughs> despite being the NFL that can attract us and our non-kids audience, continues to find ways to to bring them in and to bring you know people under 50 in i don't i don't know it's one of those things that if you look at what they did this week in nashville and with the broadcast they're succeeding in continuing to grow this brand and i don't understand how guys it's a big day for me because i'm i'm a jared goff stand is that there's the announcement by Banana Republic mm. that jared goff <laughs> has an endorsement deal and is going to be featured in advertising 
multiple advertisements is going to be the face of Banana Republic. I think it's a great fit. I think we were talking about companies that he should do an ad campaign for. And we were talking about Pizza Hut. We were talking about Corpse Light. And he even did one better because it is such a vanilla brand. But also, yes. do you know what? 80% of the clothes I wear are Banana Republic. Like, that's the store <laughs> I go to. That's where I shop. Like, I'm a Banana Republic dude. So once I saw where, that, where I... Where do you shop, Robbo? Where do you shop, Robbo? That's a, that's a... I'm interested. That Joey's an Well, I'm in Lucky Brand. Republic. I'm like Lucky Banana Republic. I'm wearing a Banana Republic shirt right now in Lucky Brand jeans. I am probably... I am probably more white than Joey when it comes to where I shop. I shop at... At Nordstrom, oh, Rack, Target. Target. No. Yeah, you do. I go, there's a there's a rack next to the house, and there's one like really close to my office, and so I usually pop in Nordstrom Rack. Yeah, very good. I've got that's smart. So instead good. of buying you know two hundred dollar jeans, they cost me a mere eighty five. I'm I'm wearing my pants are lucky right now, so I'm a, I'm on a Joey tip. I can get I can get down. Is this going to be well, like Matthew McConaughey doing like the Lincoln it, well, cars, or is it no. just going to be like only? Like only LA, 80, here's 80 what, people. Here's what I don't understand. <laughs> are they talking about like Banana Republic commercials? Print ads. Because here's the speak. thing. Have you ever seen a Banana Republic commercial? No. I've seen the print ads though. Yeah, I've never seen I, I didn't. I didn't know that Banana Republic marketed anywhere ever. I didn't. Well, you know, I I don't, maybe, maybe it's new. Maybe. I think if you go downtown LA and you go see, um, you know, you go to the Staples Center. I bet you there, like across from that, there's going to be a big, like on the side of a building, an ad with Jared Goss' Ooh. face for Banana Republic. I think in the city, in in like in Hollywood, I could also see them, you know, in Hollywood Highland putting up a big sign. So just people driving around Los Angeles, they're in Hollywood, they're in the heart of the city. They're seeing huge, gigantic photos of Jared Goff. I think that's a good start. And if it says Banana Republic, fine, whatever. But I think it's more about. Uh, just it getting his face out there, man. Everybody needs to know what this guy looks like so they can want to go see him play and make him famous. He's a super How does he say? How does he say? Do you know what his... Do you know how they, they worded this announcement? Banana Republic style ambassador. How does Jared he say... The, how does he say <laughs> Banana Republic? Banana... Banana... It's banana. <laughs> hey, mom. Hey, mom, Banana <laughs> Republic wants to pay me to be their style guide. Uh, Jared, I think they meant style ambassador. They're going to give hey, me a crown hey, and a robe. They're going to give Higgs a scepter. Higgs! I have a scepter now! Higgs is going to be... when He's he's going to go to every shoot with him, right? Higgs, bro, can you pass me the... Like can a, you pass me the... Uh, like the, a perfume the commercial. They asked me Chino's. But I said, she yes, <laughs> Banana Republic. I could see Higgs just sitting there on the side, like in like a director's chair, just with a bag of like energy bars, just like unwrapped. Dude, he needs more neon. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, we're talking about this. I pulled up the, the press release <laughs> on Pierre Newswire. It's fucking great. Yes. As a fierce competitor known for his cool confidence on and off the field, Jared is the perfect yeah. athlete to bring the benefits of our core temp product line to life. Yeah. This product innovation is Jared's style of play. 
and are born to a natural performance that is cool under pressure. Uh, I don't think the Banana Republic people watched the Bears game, did they? Did the, ba- did the Banana Republic watch it? was under pressure. And then Goff. Shooting this campaign was an awesome experience. We really pushed Banana Republic. Republic's performance clothing on the mouse. No, 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 I know what I'm doing. Wait, 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 wait. Start over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play the guitar Kyle solo from the beginning of Hot the Teacher. Read the whole thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally going to do this. Read the whole thing. <laughs> this, do- this better be studio yeah, accurate. Do it. Read it in golf voice. Right. <laughs> Shooting this campaign was an awesome experience. We really pushed Banana Republic performers clothing to the max. Not even fire and volcano special effects could stop this stuff. Comfort, movement, and style are key for me. And this quartet collection delivers. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. This is unbelievable. This shit needs a pilot for the site, by the way. I'm going to put it in Slack right now. I think right it's, uh, it's fucking gold. I got it made. Got it made. Got it made. Oh, and Jackie's will beat you. I'm so glad you saw that. I'm so glad you caught that, Joey, because it's fucking... I'm just going to be cross a 2019 NFL draft Los Angeles Rams. Um... <laughs> really, pretty I, I feel bad for you because there'll be a lot of editing tonight. So I, I hear you're this making like music two of the podcast. for the people coming down on the roller coasters. All right, um, round two, pick sixty-one. Hey, jerks. Taylor Rapp, safety out of Washington. Round three, seventy. Daryl Henderson, running back, Memphis. Round three, seventy-nine. David Long, cornerback, Michigan. Round three, ninety-seven. Uh, Bobby Evans, offensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Round four, Washington defensive tackle, Greg Gaines. Round five, David Edwards, Wisconsin offensive tackle. And then our two seventh-round picks, Nick Scott, safety out of Penn State, Dakota Allen, linebacker, Texas Tech. Um, There's a ton to unpack there, man. Um, Robbo, you take it first. You're the Washington guy. We got two Washington kids in Taylor Rapp. And Greg Gaines, a lot of people, myself included, thought Taylor Rapp could be involved. It ended up happening after a bunch of trades down. What do you think, Ben? How, how did you feel starting off with Taylor Rapp? How do you feel about the draft? What's your what's your general feeling? Uh, I wish this podcast was uh, was actually a visual because then I could go back to our Slack archives of probably right after the Super Bowl and I started talking about Taylor Rapp like, oh, it'd be great. I love him. Uh, I never actually thought he would be a Ram, but... You're so anti-mock that you dismissed your own mock of Taylor Rapp? That's how anti-mock they Oh, man. I mean, I just didn't think think he'd end up a a Ram. Um, But I I fucking, I love watching the guy play. And I'm like, he just, he just, he loves playing football. He's got a nose for the ball. He's always around the ball. He plays hard. He plays injured. He, he. He's just a fun guy to watch. I think he's going to be one of those players that that Rams fans gravitate towards too. I mean, it's we all like our our guys, but you, people tend to like hustle and grit and heart guys. And I think that's what he is. And he's just he's scrappy. He's he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think he's going to be a good addition. Uh, he plays he can play on the line of scrimmage. He's a good tackler. Um, 
if you get the make i'm sure you can do the mcveigh voice of talking about his short space quickness and all that but he just he just has a knack for the football he knows he's he's always around the damn ball the ball's on the ground he's there the ball's tipped up he's it's just what he's done now he was he was outstanding as a freshman at washington i believe he was pac-10 freshman of the year uh he was pretty good as a sophomore and then he, he dialed back a little bit but uh he's still i think he's gonna be a good fit i think it'll be fun and it's even better that he doesn't have to come in and start right away he gets to play behind weddle he gets to learn uh he'll probably you know as the season goes on we'll, we'll see how it goes and how much more playing time he gets but i think it's a perfect situation for him to come in not have to be a key contributor to 2019 he's gonna get some he's gonna be on the, he's great on special teams he's just i think he's a damn good fit especially when we started talking about roster gaps on this team and how we're going to start filling some of these guys, whatever. Perfect. I think it's just perfect. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then Greg Gaines, he's just a, he's just a big old, big old gap stuff and pile of beef. I mean, you're not going to get much out of the passing pass rush from him, but when it comes to stopping the run, uh, that man can eat a double team, like a, like a double, double. He is a big round bearded dude. He, he looks like been on Game of Thrones. he's at home yeah. chugging bugs. He's he's a more athletic Samuel Tarley. He's just a big round. He reminded me of like a Jeff Zanina with a beard. Just a big, thick, round. I mean, he's not chiseled. He's just he's what you want a nose tackle to look like. He has got <laughs> junk in the trunk and the and the bonnet and the hood. There's junk everywhere. He's got a big thick beard and he just the man each double teams, each double teams, each double teams, which is good news. A lot of times you can tell when these guys, you know, they start playing football and their coach puts them at defensive line and they have to work to like build their body to meet that position. The way you can tell Greg Gaines is not that kind of guy is his legs and his calves. That boy's calves are the size of Sean McVay. His calves, his calves. (laughs) <laughs> like they're so thick, and I get it. Some people are just big bounded, and that's Greg Gaines. But it's so funny to see him out there playing. If you see him next to like other guys on the offensive line, like guys like Rob Havenstein, we're we're gonna see that probably at some point where Greg Gaines is gonna go against these guys on the offensive line, yeah, and you're gonna see guys that have had to work hard to like build their body to meet the position. Greg Gaines is not that guy. Greg Gaines was 16, and he was already like, man, I gotta scale back. I can't. This is getting out of control. That's exactly y'all, right. Y'all got y'all got he's any a, extra, he's a, he's extra, guy, extra, 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 extra large socks because these ain't working. <laughs> I hope he steals Jared Goff's shower shoes and then stretches them out one time. He puts his feet into those and Jared gets them back and they're just super loose because Greg Gaines jammed his feet into it. Yeah, he's just he's a big, thick. Tony yeah. Saragusa shaped kind of guy. He's just he's just a giant dude. I mean, not, I mean, he's not super tall, but what is he? His he's like he's like a rectangle. Just look at him. He looks nose tackle. I, I, oh, I think like, coach, these are great. These socks out. are great. These socks are going to work perfect, uh, Greg. Those are those are pants. Do you see out of all the picks that he has the the easiest path, or I should say easiest path, but the the best path to to play in time? No, given on performance. No, there's some, there's somebody there's somebody else. That's uh, no, I know where you're going. You we take go. it, or Joey. Take uh, it. I was gonna say Joey's got to go first. We got to get Joey some time on. You got, you got to take it. What do you think, Joey? Taylor Rapp, Daryl Henderson, David. Mm-hmm. Long. Before we get to the UDFA's, Taylor Rapp, Daryl Henderson, 
David Long, Bobby Evans, Greg Gaines, David Edwards, Nick Scott, Dakota Island. Obviously, when you get to the day three guys, besides Greg Gaines, Greg Gaines is one of these guys that they seem like they had a role for on defense. Edwards, Scott, and Allen, obviously, probably likely looking at special teams and probably just trying to make the roster. But what do you think about the draft? Well, I, I I definitely like how they started with Taylor Rapp. I mean, it just feels like they're trying to address the run defense. And I think getting a guy that just has the fundamentals of being able to be a good tackler, I, I think that's just a smart move. But also when you look at their other pick, uh, David Long, I like that too because it just sees them thinking about the future with their secondary. I think it's just nice that they're spending like a third-round pick on a guy that they can have someone like Aqib Talib mentor and he he could be a guy that could be a starter in a couple of years. I think that's um, that's probably what what we're expecting, you know, with a third round talent. You're drafting a cornerback. It's like okay, he's going to be our starting cornerback in a couple of seasons. So there's that, and there's also Bobby Evans, who I I feel a little bit, uh, I guess, cautious right now of expecting him to to be a starter. He could sure. very well be, but it just feels like he's a work in progress, and. They're just a question of like, okay, well, is he better as a right tackle or can he be a be a guard? And it just seems like he kind of has some issues with leverage and, you know, he is just a little bit shorter than w- what the position needs to be. So it just doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like it's like that's our answer at the offensive line. It just kind of feels like, okay, well, here's another guy. What do you think? Do, do, yeah. do you have a little bit more of an excitement towards Bob, Bobby Evans? How many games have you seen Bobby Evans play last year, Joe? In the last year, probably well, probably about six or seven. Game. In the last three years, I've probably seen about 25. Um, I've seen a lot of Oklahoma football, but the, yep. the, the problem with grading Bobby Evans is that line was so good where they were stacked across. I mean, you saw Cody Ford, obviously, everybody. Didn't they have the, four get drafted? They were, Everyone but the center who was on the class. Yeah, they right? were one of the best. And even the center might be the best of them all when you talk about Creed Humphrey. Um, they're, they're, one, they're incredibly talented. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things where how do you isolate <clears throat> Bobby Evans versus everything else that was going on with that line and having to block. If you look at his tape, he's having to block for Kyler Murray this last year and Baker Mayfield. That is completely different than blocking for Jared Goff. You're not you're not going to have to extend plays outside the pocket six, seven, eight. If, if you watch Kyler Murray, I, I know a lot of people watch his highlights, and stuff, but if you watch Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, it's not as much as the idea that they can run like Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Or <clears throat> like like other guys who are mobile, that they get design runs. It's more that almost like Russell Wilson. You've seen this a ton, Rob, where where the pressure mm-hmm. comes and he just steps up in the pocket, and all of a sudden you're not even playing NFL. You're just playing fucking Sandlot football, where they're just running. And how how do you even block for that as an offensive lineman? And that's the kind of skill that Bobby Evans has gained. And p- part of that is being able to to deal with. Once your blocking assignment breaks down, what do you do? He's got maybe more experience than that than almost anybody in the country because he's blocked for Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, and that's what makes him interesting as an addition. I, I don't know. Overall, I, I really like the class. I get what did I give it? I think I give it a B plus. But I, I think the bigger thing is when, when we do these grades. I think one of the things I need to start including, and I should press people to start including, is the degree of difficulty. The degree of difficulty for this class and last year's class for the Rams was not that high. This, this is not a team like the the Cardinals or the Raiders or the Giants or, you know, teams that, that need this class to begin to carry their team out of the bottom. Right. Or, 
or, or, or teams that need guys to come in and immediately week one make a huge difference. The, the Rams didn't play anybody from the last draft class. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if we go through 2019 and none of the draft picks log significant you know, time on the offense or defense. Our roster is just too good right now and too stacked to, to allow for a ton of opportunity maybe for rookies. And I don't think it's a bad thing. But I think when we talk about draft grades and how we think about the draft, I think we also need to think about what kind of a draft class that is, this is. And for the Rams, it's it's something about filling in roles in the middle of the the the, the roster more so than than getting guys that need to come in and make us better immediately. Who who led the team in snaps last year as a rookie? Would it be JFM? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe probably as like it, as a as like a you know a rotation guy. And I think you're like I think. Grant Gaines is probably getting get the biggest shot because Sue's not there anymore, and they have, they haven't needed on the road. And Westbrook's is gone, so they have holes in the D line. But no, I think you're right. I think you're gonna see a lot of special teams from these guys. You might see them unless there's an injury. Uh, you know, not a lot of play, which is okay. It's, yeah, you have a good team. You have a good roster. You don't okay, need to guys, have. I have a question. Rookies coming and play. That's what bad yeah, teams do. Yeah, that's nothing against the draft. Right? That's not the dra- that's not the draft class's fault that they're not going to get snaps. It just means that we're that good that we don't have. Uh, gentlemen, you know, I have a question. With the departure of Sue, now we have a defensive lineman that mm-hmm. is not an obvious choice to be a starter. We're not going to keep Tanzel Smart. Are we going to be starting John Franklin Myers? Is he going to get significant time on the D line next to Aaron Donald and Brockers? Or who's who? Who right now is the most likely? Um, player to get significant minutes on the defensive line next to Donald and Brockers. That, that, sounds, that sounds like a training camp question, Joey. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what this is, right? We're going we go to go into training camp and we're going to sort these guys out because you got a bunch of candidates. I, and, and that's the thing is we haven't even gotten to the UDFAs and we can keep pushing that back, but I wouldn't count those guys out because I, I, know, I know we talk about draft status as if it's this be-all, end-all, but I, I, don't, I don't know that when you get to camp, when you're sorting through the guys that can start to – Maybe not necessarily for Dominic and Sue, but a lot of the roles and the, the opportunities on this team, I don't know that you're not going to have UDFA's challenge for that. Austin Blythe just came in two years later. Okay, yeah, but turned a starting role on the offensive line. Right. I think this is Jamon kind Brown of where was who we were slating as being the starter, and, and he ended up being fine with that job. So I guess my question is it feels like we have two positions in the defense that right now don't really have an obvious starter. And that to me mm-hmm. is. Uh, the defensive tackle, just you know, nose tackle, and inside linebacker next to Corey Littleton. Do you guys feel like if you inside just line. had to just fill out the starting card, do you put Micah Kaiser yeah. at Micah um, Kaiser inside linebacker, and who, who who do you who do you put on the line next to Brockers and Donald? Do you, you have to answer the question for me? Is Clay Matthews going to play at edge, or is he playing yeah. middle linebacker? I don't know. Well, what is he playing? Or both. He, he he's played both at, with Green Bay. He's, I have a lot of questions, guy, guys. Played middle. I, I'm excited, but I I kind of yeah. feel like their um their draft in one way presented it like oh yeah we don't really need to address that many holes. But coming out of it, it seems like I don't know, guys. You kind of have a couple holes on defense. Sure, and well, you wrote that there was a great piece by Joey O about roster needs, and I think that's one of those things is that you get roster needs and you try to figure out how to how to manage them and how to uh, how to staff them appropriately, and that's going to be part of the fun in the training camp. One thing I would say is that when you talk about defensive line inside linebacker is that uh, Sosa wrote a piece um, this week about the theme of the, the Rams' 2019 offseason 
being to improve the run defense. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's clear between the the draft and the free agency period that they had was that they made some picks to shore that up. And I think that was a clear effort. Now, how they go about manage that in, I guess, the off, I guess you can take the offseason program seriously and say that and organize team activities and all that stuff going into training camp and then preseason uh, is part of the process. But I think that's part of the fun, too, as a fan of saying we don't have things settled. And, you know, despite having a defense with Aaron Donald and uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib and John Johnson and Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle, we got all these guys that we know, we've got we've got some spots up. You know the roster battles are legitimate, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I, I don't, I don't, especially with this coaching staff, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think whoever wins that could be somebody that we could really get excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No doubt, competition. No doubt. That's you. You bring. I mean, how many draft guys, uh, picks did we keep on the roster last year? Off the top of your head, do you know? Is it because they kept a lot? They seven. kept like the Justin Waller. Yeah, I think it was like seven. They kept a lot of those guys, and I think you you see them battling. Their their jobs aren't safe. Just because no. they were there last year? No. No. You, you brought this class in, and they're going to all challenge. You know who's going to challenge for a spot and probably stick? Seventh rounder Nick Scott. Safety. Why not? Why? Because Special Bones team, actually bro. targeted him. I don't, know if you saw, you know? I don't know if you saw it, but Bones yeah. targeted him before the combine, specifically made a request to have him as one of the interviews, and he told them at the combine, Get ready. We're coming for you because this is your role. He's outstanding on special teams. Bones loved what he can do with them. And look at what Bones has done with other guys. He made uh, Cody Davis a name. He made he found use for Isaiah Pete on special teams. He made Corey Littleton a, a pro bowler. He's very good at finding guys to do what he needs to do and unleashing them. And I do not be surprised when Nick Scott is making the plays that – um, that other guys you used to stand in the past. Uh, Bryce it's just, Hager. It's just what they do. <laughs> with, the, with the departure of Bryce, Bryce Hager. Hager. He could be the new Bryce Hager. Yeah. If you want to see that, you can actually see like the Rams do the, their videos about, yeah, hey, here's the phone call, whatever. And they did the phone call with Nick Scott. And it was it was Bowen saying, hey, remember I talked to you the Combine? You ready to go? And he's like, yes, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. I'm going to do everything you want me to do. And it's... That's why he picked out the one guy, and they used the seventh round draft pick to get him, rather than wait to go UDFA. Cause they, some, you know, that way they got their guy. Um, but you know, they had seventh rounders make the team last year. It's competition, and it's it's what you want from the back of your roster. You want these guys fighting and let you know let the best All let right. the best fifty three make it. Here we go and play your practice. Let's do it. Guys. We're feeling good. We're talking about the draft. We like what they've done. We're excited about the team. We've got to get everybody sack up. Take a deep breath. The Rams traded up. Here we go. Nine months after they made Todd Gurley okay. the highest paid running back in the NFL. They traded up. This is just a fact. I get it. It's only the third round. And Twitter, 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 Twitter. Trade up to take Daryl Henderson, uh, a very good, a very talented prospect. One I love. I'm very high on Daryl Henderson as a running back prospect. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, I think it's yeah. We're fine. <laughs> if you look, <laughs> I think we got the Carolina barbecue. <laughs> we we got Gurley's contract till two thousand twenty two, mm-hmm. right, Joe? Like where you are financially committed to paying him, uh, good portions of our salary cap, and right now his role is unknown. It is officially, I think, the team. 
the party line is that he's the focal point, right? Yeah, that's what the last we yeah, spoke. Well, I, I get it. I, I, I get it that that's a PR, that's a talking point. What does Sean it mean that? He, do we have any idea Sean whether that fifteen here's, carries per game? Here's here's what I think it means. I I feel like it's like when Reggie a Bush in his last couple seasons. I kind of kind of feels like that where he's basically going to be a passing threat. He's going to be uh, getting more receptions than he has touches, and you're going to get this Daryl mm-hmm. Henderson in, and he's going to be more of a um, down the middle guy. I think he's going to be a little bit more um, of a phys- of a physical runner. So are you saying that Todd Gurley should just not, not going to have Todd Gurley get touched? He shouldn't play to Edward yeah, Jones. I think you want just kind of him bubble screens and him just running out, oh, out of bounds yeah. and not getting hit. I don't know. It 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 feels like the Franco Harris the identity of the team has got a little bit of a um, of a of a wrinkle of a definition, and I feel like. Todd Gurley being the only guy that's going to be touching the ball on an offensive drive is kind of out the window now. Did you did you hear either of you hear Sean McVay answer that question this weekend? Oh, I, well, you just drafted this guy. What, what what's that mean for Todd Gurley? And he immediately defaulted Mal- to, to Malcolm Brown. <laughs> well, you know when you got a Malcolm Brown, and he didn't forget about the guy we're actually talking and you're paying a lot of money to. When you got that was a Malcolm great Brown, Monsignori like, from the athletic. That was a perfect question to to push him to answer it. Um, I do wonder like what that means. And I get it, it's just a talking point. And a lot of times these talking points are meant to deflect because you talk about how many times is Sean McVay gonna have to talk to assembled Rams media between now and training camp? Maybe five times. Every well, every day, but how many times how many every days is that? Maybe like five or six. So if he just says it five or six times and then they get to training camp and they figure it out. What's the penalty he's going to pay? He's not. He's not going to suffer from that, especially as long as the team's winning. So, I don't know, man. It's one of these. The, part of the problem is, you you don't you don't make a guy the highest paid running back in the NFL and then draft somebody in the top seventy of the NFL draft the next draft. You don't do that ever, unless something's wrong. When, Number two. When was the Gurley contract? When was it? Was it before the season? Right it was. Before? It was right, right before. So. They didn't do that after he hurt himself in week one against the Raiders. Right. Correct. All right. Correct. Yeah. So it was it was before the season, but it was it was with time left on his contract, and mm. you know it it's it, I I don't even I don't that's not even the thing because I don't have a problem with them giving him the contract. I, I I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people have an issue with paying running backs that much and all that kind of stuff. But the the other thing is. This isn't John Kelly. As much as we all love John Kelly, and we can whisper his name in the wind, the the Rams drafted John Kelly in the fifth round, and after Malcolm Brown got hurt for two weeks, they never gave John Kelly a shot. Then they signed C.J. Anderson and immediately leapfrogged him in front of John Kelly and Justin Davis on the depth chart. So they never felt – they clearly felt John Kelly was more of a special teams addition than a running back. That is not what Daryl Henderson is. Daryl Henderson is coming onto this team to run the ball, to get carries. And as a rookie running back, you can do that from week one. I will say this. I think if, if you if you were impressed by Justin Davis or John Kelly to any degree in the preseason, you're going to love Daryl Henderson. This kid is way more talented. And, and, and part of that is skill set. Part of that is also just who he is as a guy. This is, this is good. When I wrote, remember, I wrote the idea that the Rams can't re-sign C.J. Anderson because they need Todd Gurley to be the guy. Well, they blew that shit 
all the way up because <laughs> Daryl Henderson needs carries. This dude is good. He's really good. I'm totally excited about him getting time because he's incredibly talented, but that means we've got the highest paid running back in the NFL that's going into a job share. And for whatever that means, it's I don't think people want to talk about it with not only one, but two back. It's a little bit of Rams um, fans kind of just not wanting to address this right now and being like, okay, when we get to that point, sure. fine. But right now, I think Todd Gurley is still on the – when you type in therams.com, it's a leaping Todd Gurley over the font. So it's going to be interesting to see this um, well, yeah. image of a team, with the, the the face of the team. And this stuff happens quick, especially in the season when someone puts up big numbers. I mean, if Daryl Henderson runs for sure. 150 50 well, yards and gets three touchdowns so. in a game, it's like boom, like that. Everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. This is who the team is. I mean, Daryl Henderson leaping over. Who has scored the most touchdowns in the last two years? Sure, sure. Uh, was it, was that Todd Gurley? He scored out of the last, last couple of years. I mean, he's the leading NFL's touchdown guy. So, right. um, they're going to, of course, he's the face of the franchise. And I, are they are they doing this so they don't have to answer the question because they don't know the answer yet? Or are they trying to protect Todd Gurley's ego? Where you know, we don't, we got you, Todd. It's okay. You're still our guy because we're going to have to pay you in 2022. Or is it a combination? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, but it's not going to go away. We'll talk about it every week. Every reporter will gloss over it every week. The Rams will shine it off to Malcolm Brown every week. It's going to be this way. Todd Gurley's not going to touch a football in the summer. We won't see him other than running some drills. He's not going to play in the summer. It's, this is going to go till September. It's not, and it's only going to get worse. It's, it's also a outcome of how the Rams played this from a PR standpoint and how the media was slow to really um, challenge what the Rams were selling. And here, here's a good example. I wrote um, my three locks going into the draft. The three things I was certain were going to happen. Number one, they were going to draft a safety before day three. Well, they took one with the first fucking pick. Obviously, that clearly happened. Number two, there were going to be trades. Well, we traded down three times for our first pick. Granted, these are the coldest takes of all time, but that's why I was certain that these were going to happen. There was going to be a safety. There was going to be trades. And number three, that Todd Gurley's knee would affect how we manage the draft. And there was somebody that tweet when I wrote that, there was somebody that sent us the idea. This was his tweet. I should, I should have brought it up so I could read it verbatim. But what his tweet essentially was, was, Oh, that means that we're not going to draft a running back because Todd Gurley's knee is fine. Got it. Well, guess what? <laughs> guess the fuck what? Quite the opposite, man. If you were so confident that, that Todd Gurley didn't, have any issue with his knee and that meant the Rams weren't going to draft a running back your world should have been turned upside down but the difference is it should have been turned upside down by now that there's still this camp that's struggling with the Rams public statements and you know whether it's Sean McVay saying he's 100% or Todd Gurley saying if he was injured he'd be on the injury report or even what they said after the draft right which is, oh, we needed a, a change of pace back, and we've been looking for one. We just haven't found – you just drafted one last year in John Kelly. You just had mm -hmm. one. If you wanted one, you had Malcolm Brown. You never played those guys the way you played C.J. Anderson, and when you played him, 
you didn't re-sign them. So it, it, there, there, there's just not a lot of reason to take their statements at, at, pub, at face value publicly right now. And there's still a lot of Rams fans trying to sort through that and doing so pretty poorly. Well, I asked you on Slack. I don't know Slack, so you know you guys couldn't see this. But... Well, be careful, Slack DMs. So well, Slack DMs to ask me some uncomfortable questions. I don't want uh, to talk about that, but we can go into our he, thing. Sean McVay's one of his first moves he did when he was made, named a coach. Who did he sign? Lance Dunbar, change of pace, kind of whatever. Third down back. Are they going to try to? claim that this is what they they that didn't work out he got hurt are they going to start using the well you know we got him because we've we've kind of wanted to do this but we just didn't have the guys to do it with are they going to start using uh I'm at, Daryl and imagine how I much gullibility it takes to believe that oh we signed Lance that where Dunbar to get eight carries a game away from Todd Gurley that but we're not <laughs> he already mentioned in his presser, he's like, oh, he's going to let us do lots of stuff to get us, that way we can get out of 11 personnel, we could do some different things that he's going to allow us to do. He's already laying the groundwork for it. He mentioned it in his presser. We, we want to get away from 11 personnel exclusively. We want to be able to do some other things. And his, his credit, Henderson ran some wildcat at, at Memphis, so yes, he can do some other things, but they're already laying the groundwork for the damage control. I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart, and uh, so well, I, I, I'm, I'm digging all of this. Yeah, totally. It's, it's but also, drama it's, city. I don't know how much of a conspiracy theory that it is that a third round pick is going to get some playing time. Right. It, it's it's kind of exactly. it's kind of right now. It's exactly. just. No, he should, he should I think our time. second round and our third round picks are guys that we should expect to be at least a moderate contributor to the team throughout the season. And if they're not getting any playing time, it's like, oh, wow, something went south on that pick. All in the third round. How many picks did we get in the third round? Is it three or four? Rap was in the second. Henderson, Long, and Evans oh, were in the, the third. Second. Yeah. Here's what's okay. strange is yeah. we're talking about Greg Gaines, who was 60 picks, 64 picks after Henderson. Yeah. Coming in the fourth round, talking about, oh, yeah. plug Greg Gaines in. He's fine. Daryl Henderson was 64 picks before him at running back, which is a position that carries much less value. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing. And if, if he ends up getting, um, you know, almost a Malcolm Brown share of touches, but he's he's a really good running back. He's got – here's the us. thing. He's got to get more. Darryl, this is – I mean, here, here's the difference. Malcolm Brown was an undrafted free agent. Daryl Henderson yeah. traded up to get a – yep, he's good. He's really – I get it. Not everybody watches Memphis football. There are some football sluts like me that just whore out on Conference USA football. Daryl Henderson's really good, man. I, 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 Joe, is there a story out there that you know of where someone might have wrote about the fit of Daryl Henderson with the Rams never, offense? Is there someone – Never anywhere. Write about that in a, some kid uh, from from Ontario, Canada, or somebody that wrote about it before the draft that said, "Hey, the Rams might take a pick." Don't, no lie, don't get me wrong. Showing love to Sosa. Well, I'm thinking. I was just thinking like, like the fit of Henderson and the Rams. Sosa had a great pick on his Daryl yeah. Henderson profile, and he's got more coming. Uh, love to Sosa. Great read. Read everything Sosa writes. He gets it. Uh, I wrote before the draft. Could the Rams draft a running back in the first three rounds? And the answer was yes. It was kind of obvious, man. There was, but there it was one of those things look, where there was some anger on those on those posts. By the way, there were some reactions, which is weird because because we did it, and we, we did it because it makes sense. If Gurley can't go, the full extent of what he went to start last year, you've got to get somebody talented to spell him, 
And Daryl Henderson is extremely talented. People, I, I, here's the way I would put it. The same way that people fell in love with C.J. Anderson once he put, started putting up yards, people are going to fall in love with Daryl Henderson, man. He's really good. People, I, I also good. fell in love with Daryl Richards because <laughs> he had some yeah. outside runs. I mean, anyone who's gonna, who does well, people fall in love well, with. But, but so, I think yeah. there's also – I think these two players can coexist. I don't think that um, Todd Gurley sure. is the type of guy that sure. he, he doesn't have that sort of wide receiver personality where you know he's like, it's me, me, me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I think – What did we start the pot off with? Barbecue. Did you see Todd Gurley's tweet, Tanderson? Bring me that Memphis, Memphis barbecue. Right. <laughs> Bring it full circle. Yeah, he's, he's, he's saying all the right things. I do like the idea that that in Brian Allen and Greg Gaines, you've got these kind of you know mountain men, like old school Western guys. I, I'm sure – I know you did, Robbo. Did you see the behind the grind, Joey, on Joseph Noteboom? I did, and he is not going to be a style ambassador <laughs> for any department. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I just take Rob, like Robinsons or Old Navy or the Gap. None of those companies are going to be like. You know who should be our style ambassador? Joseph and Note Boom. I do, I do like the idea that you could be like Banana Republic. J- Jerry Goff. What do you think? Well, I'll I'll think. You know, Western style is always represented. West Joseph Note Boom. What do you think about our style? Close. <laughs> so I wear your pants. chances what in what year will we have such a thing as a masturbation garden that's a thing that's coming <laughs> it's already it's, that's probably that already kind of sounds like an oh, album especially that sounds here. like an album by spinal tap masturbation garden i think i think i think <laughs> a masturbation garden i call that vons <laughs>